This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, The Promises of God. We've only got this week and next week, and then we'll, we'll do a Thanksgiving service, and then we'll transition into to Christmas. It's hard to believe that, that everything is winding down like it is. This morning, we're going to be looking at the story that all of us are familiar with, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Our title this morning is God's Promise of reward. God rewards faithfulness, and we're going to witness that this morning. Now, I want to say this from the very beginning this morning. I want to be clear. Just because Daniel was delivered from the lion's den, that does not mean that all of us are going to be delivered from the dens that we find ourselves in. This morning's message is a message of hope and a message of comfort, a message calling all of us to faithfulness during difficult times. Daniel is one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible, and I'm sure he's probably one of many of you, your favorite characters as well. What we know about Daniel is that Daniel was faithful as a young man, and he was faithful as an old man. He started the race strong, and he finished the race equally strong. Our message point this morning is this, how to survive in a hostile world. How many of you would agree that we live in a hostile world? I think all of us would, right? There is, there is, um, there is war across our world. There are, there is persecution across our world, even in our own country. That's something that's not going to get better. Most likely, it's actually probably going to get worse. In fact, the end of this book tells me it's going to get worse before it gets better. When, so let's look at this, okay? Daniel himself lived in a hostile world. He lived during days much like ours. He was a slave in a foreign land living in the midst of foreign leaders who worshiped foreign gods. So that leads us to our first point this morning. It is this. Let's look at Daniel's elevation. Um, Daniel 6, beginning of verse 1, through verse 3, we read, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then, the, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was on him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom." Well, when we're first introduced to Daniel in chapter 1, Daniel is most likely a young teenager. What we have to do this morning is we've got to fast forward about 70 years to Daniel chapter 6. You may ask, why 70 years and how do you know this? Well, you know it because the Israelites were promised by God because of their sinfulness that they were going to be carried into Babylonian captivity for a period of 70 years. Then at the end of that 70 years, the kingdom of Babylon would, would, would fade away, a new kingdom would rise up, and the Israelites would be allowed to return back to Israel. Well, in Daniel 5, what happens is the, the Babylonian Empire does fall, the Persian Empire rises up, and that leads us to where we're at now. King Darius would rise to power, and he would appoint 120 um, leaders 
over the land, and then he would appoint three leaders over the 120, and Daniel was one of those three leaders. And not only was Daniel one of the three leaders, he was going to be elevated to be the number one leader overseeing the entire land. Here's what I love about Daniel, okay? Daniel is in his mid-80s, okay, when he is appointed leader. Think about that just for a second, okay? How many people do you know in their mid-80s that is still fighting as hard as as Daniel fought? Usually when we read the story of Daniel, how many of you have a children's Bible? And I'm not saying that. I hope hope you don't read that children's Bible every day. But you probably read it to your children or grandchildren. And usually when we come to Daniel in the lion's den, what we see is this young, vigorous man, don't we? Well, well, Daniel wasn't this young, vigorous man. He was a man in his mid-80s. As as we um, studied this, just keep that in mind this morning. Daniel was a man of God. He was a faithful man of God, and the Spirit of God was upon him. He started the race strong, and he finished the race equally strong. Will that be said of us in this room? Will it be said that we started the race strong as believers and we finished the race equally strong? I've been in the ministry now for about 27 years. And during those 27 years, I've known some incredibly godly men that have been in ministry. Many of them... um, joined me in ministry during our college days, some in seminary days. But, but here's what happened, has happened to many of those that started the race in ministry. They started, they were godly, they were smart, they were eloquent in their speech, but many of them along the way have dropped out of the race. Some of that is because of their own undoing, because of moral failure or financial failure, because of financial uh, or family issues. Some have just gotten tired. Some have gotten burned out, and they've chose other profession. You know, I think all of us along the way get tired, don't we? There are times even spiritually when we get run down, and we're, we're, we, we struggle just to, to pray, to read, study, to stand in front of our classes and teach. If you haven't been there, give it time. There's probably going to be a day whenever you find it a little hard to, to, to um, be faithful and, and fight as a believer. I bet you Daniel had some up and down moments in his life as well. What do we do when we have those moments? Well, we fight harder, don't we? We spend more time in God's Word. We spend more time praying. Well, Daniel was a man of God. He, he loved the Lord, and he followed after the Lord. Notice the next saying that we see when it comes to Daniel. We see here in our story the king's decree. Beginning in verse 4 through 9, we read, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said... We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to 
to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So here's what we see, okay? Daniel, this Hebrew um, man living in a pagan land, is elevated to being number one in, in position, okay? So what does that create within the, the, the people of the land? It, can, it creates a sense of jealousy, doesn't it? So we see here that there is a jealousy that, that is occurring between Daniel. These pagan satraps and these leaders are jealous of Daniel because he is a foreigner in their land and he has been elevated to position of power that is greater than theirs. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room have ever been jealous of somebody? Raise your hand if you've ever been jealous of somebody. Okay? If you have a sibling, then I promise you have been jealous of that sibling because you know as well as I do that the other siblings are always the favorite, right? My daughter back there is going, yep, that is true. The other sibling is always the favorite. So there's that jealousy sometimes that rages within our own home. Let me ask you this question. Has there ever been a time when, when um, someone has gotten a promotion um, before you did? Maybe they leapfrog right over you. You deserved it. It was promised to you. But all of a sudden, that person went from below you to now being the manager over you. Has that ever happened to you? Some of you, that's happened to you, man. Um, some of you are probably better people than me, okay? If that happened to me, I would probably be a little bit upset. I'd probably seek to make that person's life a little bit miserable. But all of you are better people than me, and I know that there's not a single person in this room that did that. Well, here's what happens um, in our story this morning. These um, satraps, these, um, these, other, these leaders within this land, they are jealous of Daniel, and they are about to do something about it. So what they do is they manipulate the king. And what they do is they literally, they puff up the king. They tell the king, hey, you are high, you are mighty, you're all that and then some. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to sign an executive order that says that for 30 days there is no other person in all of the land that can be worshipped other than you, O King Darius. No other God can be worshipped. No other man can be bowed before, beside you. And so King Darius, probably being like most kings, he kind of gets a little puffed up. And he thinks, oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think everybody needs to recognize me as a king and worship me. They need to submit to my leadership and to my authority. And so what this king does, after he is manipulated, he signs into law that for 30 days he's the only person that can be worshipped. They knew that would be a trap for Daniel because they knew Daniel was a faithful man of God who worshipped the Lord both day and night. You know, did you know that in there are certain parts of the world, um, but I read this week in China, that, that the political authorities 
are raiding homes of believers and churches, and they are forcing them to remove all signs of Christianity. They're to take down pictures of Jesus, take down crosses, take down any other religious artifacts that could be on the wall, and they are to replace those with pictures of, 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 of political communist leaders. Why in the world are they doing that? Because they are wanting it to be known and be clear that they are to worship the political leaders in the land. And, and punishment for not doing that could very well be imprisonment. One pastor, knowing the increased threat of the government, asked his congregation one Sunday, he, he asked them, if tomorrow morning this church suddenly disappeared, would this city miss us? That's a great question. If tomorrow morning Friendship Baptist Church ceased to exist, would the community of Fairview miss us? Would the community of Allen and McKinney and Lucas and some of these surrounding cities miss us. Three months after this pastor asked that question, he and his wife both were arrested and their church was shut down. Daniel would be attacked for his faith and the king would be manipulated into signing this decree. And the bad thing is, this was a binding signature. It could not be reversed even by the king who signed it into law. Notice next we see Daniel's devotion. In verse 10 we read, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed. He went to his house where he had windows, where, where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. I love what Daniel does here. Daniel goes to his home like he has done day in and day out for years. He goes up to his upper chamber when the, where the windows are open wide. He got down on his knees. He faced toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day like he had always done. Here's what Daniel could have done. Daniel could certainly have easily gone to his home and, 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 and prayed, still facing Jerusalem, but, 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 but prayed in a corner of his house where nobody else would see him. And if he did that, I have a strong feeling that God would have been just as, as pleased with his prayers of thanksgiving as he was whenever he stood or, or bowed down and prayed toward Jerusalem. Daniel wasn't about to let the laws of the land dictate how he was going to worship his God. Last week, we talked about how Scripture is very clear, that government is ordained by God. We are to submit to government leaders. We are to obey the laws of the land. We also looked at how we do not have a biblical responsibility to submit to the government when the government legislates laws that clearly violate the word of God. As believers, when the law of the land violates the word of God, you and I do not have you and I do not have to follow the laws of the land before the laws of our God. Clearly, Daniel recognized that the legislated law violated the law of God, so Daniel disobeyed that law and bowed before the Lord, and he prayed. He did not care who was watching. He did not can, can, 
I, I, I don't even know if he considered the consequences of his actions. He was faithful to his God. He got down on his knees and he prayed. You know, there may come a time in our future when the legislated law requires you and I or expects you and I to do one thing. How will we respond to that? Will we do as Daniel and just remain obedient and faithful to our God? Or will we bow down to the government and adhere to the laws that clearly violate the law of God? Remember what Peter did last week and the rest of the apostles whenever they arrested? They were arrested and they were brought back before the religious leaders and they were condemned for their preaching that they had already been said not to do. Remember what, what they said? They said, we must obey God rather than men. There's going to come a day in our future when you and I must choose just as they did and just as Daniel did. So the trap was set and we see next the enemy's attack. In verse, beginning in verse 11 through verse 15, we read, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and they said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition, petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that, is, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Do you see what happened here? These weasels of men, they caught Daniel praying, which it was a trap from the very beginning. They saw him praying, and they immediately ran to the king like a bunch of weasels that they were, and they tattletailed, didn't they? They told on Daniel for what he was doing. And what we see in this scripture is the king is clearly distraught. He, he, he realizes that what he has signed um, is binding. He realized that a trap was set, and he realized he had no choice but to go through with what the law of the land dictated, that Daniel be thrown into the den of lions. So we see here God's deliverance. Beginning in verse 16 through 19, we read, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. So Daniel is brought before the king, and the king approves of his execution, and Daniel is thrown into the den of lions. But I want us to see here, I want us to look at Daniel's influence. Notice what the king said to Daniel. He said, 
May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. What does that one statement say to us about Daniel? Daniel did not just serve the Lord inside of his home, did he? He did not just serve the Lord three times a day when he got down on his knees and prayed toward Jerusalem with the windows wide open. Daniel served the Lord faithfully and passionately before the king, before the satraps, before all of the people of the land. He was committed to the Lord 24-7. He did not change how he lived or how he served in order to placate the different circles that he found himself in. Can that be said of you and me? Can it be said that you and I live no differently um, on, on Sunday than we do any other day of the week? Do we, do we, um, are we the same inside of our homes as we are outside of, your, of, of, of our homes? Does your weekend life resemble a child of God or a child of the world? Does your life look different, students, when you're at school from when you are at church? For Daniel, he was the same before kings, and he was the same before his God. I wonder what led this pagan king to say, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. What do you think led him to say that? You know, here's what I, what I think may have led him to say that. I think he was very familiar with the Israelites. I think he was very familiar with the God of the Hebrews. I think he was familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into that fiery furnace. I think he knew some years earlier that God had delivered those three Hebrew children out of that fiery furnace. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked into that furnace, how many children did he see? He didn't see three people. He saw four, and he said the fourth appears to be the Son of God. I think King Darius was very familiar with that story. And now here King Darius is, Daniel, as he's about to be thrown in or as he's thrown into that, that lion's den, he says, he says, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. May the same God who delivered those Hebrew children from the fiery furnace deliver you from the mouth of those lions. You know, we read how, how the next, that, 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 that night, that king was not able to sleep. He fasted through the, the night. He probably slept restlessly. But we're told that whenever the sun began to probably peak above the horizon, this king went with haste, meaning he probably ran in a dignified way like only kings can do toward that lion's den to check on Daniel to see if he was alive or if he was dead. So we see here the king's question in verse 20. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lion's den? As I read these words, I, I think there are two things the king really, really wanted to know about Daniel. The first thing he wanted to know, was his servant alive or was he dead? And the second thing he wanted to know, was his God real or not? Was the God of Daniel real or was the God of Daniel like all of those pagan gods that they worshiped in the land of Babylon? An answer would come and we see that. 
in verses 21 and 22, Daniel cries out, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe in God? Do you believe that the very God that delivered Daniel from the lion's den, the very God that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from that fiery furnace is the same God that can deliver you this morning from your sins? I want you to know he is the same God that can deliver you from your sins this morning. He is the same God that can deliver you from any situation that you might find yourself in today. Do you believe that he can save those outside the doors of this church from the enemy's attacks? Do you believe he can save us from the enemy's attacks? Absolutely he can. Next we read about the king's justice. In verses 23 and 24 we read, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now, some people may say, well, Daniel wasn't eaten up by those lions because those, da- those lions were not hungry. Well, let's read verse 24, and we'll see if that's true or not. And then the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So that answer to that, those lions were very hungry. God protected Daniel. The king made Daniel's accusers suffer the fate they intended for Daniel. Justice came to them because they manipulated the king into doing something that the king did not want to do. Justice will always come to those who try and defy the king. In our story, the king is a physical king over a physical kingdom. However, there is a heavenly king over a heavenly kingdom, Jesus Christ, who one day we are told every single person will stand before and have to give an account for how they lived their lives. For those that believe in Jesus Christ, they will be rewarded for their faithfulness. We will be rewarded for our faithfulness. For those that have chosen not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Scripture is very, very clear. They will be punished for their sins. And they will spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. In closing this morning, There's one person that gets the glory in this story, and that is the Lord. We see God glorified as our final point. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescue. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, so this Daniel, so in then verse 28 we read, so this Daniel 
prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This pagan king makes some incredible declarations this morning. First thing is he acknowledges Yahweh God as being the living God. There is only one living God in all of the cosmos and across the face of this earth, and that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is alive, my friends. Just as he delivered Daniel, he can deliver us. Next, we see this king say that his kingdom will not be destroyed. This king recognizes that one day his kingdom will be destroyed, but he also recognizes that the kingdom of God will never be destroyed. Every earthly kingdom will come to an end. Every political leader will come, or political leaders come and go. They rise and they fall, but the kingdom of God is eternal, and it will never be destroyed. It will never fade away. It shall be forever. And the next thing we see here is that this king makes it abundantly clear that God delivers and rescues. He will deliver you this morning. He will deliver you from your sins, and he will set you free if you would believe upon him. This morning, our title has been The Promise of God's Reward. God blessed Daniel for his faithfulness all throughout his life, at the beginning of his race, at the end of his race. And we see even here a man in his mid to or so 80s. God blesses his faithfulness. So in verse 28, we read, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel prospered, and if Daniel prospered, you can be certain that the name of our God was advanced throughout all the kingdom. It says here in this passage of Scripture that, that the king said, I mean, that, that he sent out this, this, this declaration across the face of the world, even kingdoms beyond his own kingdom. He made the declaration about the God of Daniel. What have we been called to do? My friends, we've been called to take the message of salvation beyond the, the, the borders of our country. We have been called to take it to the other parts of this world. God blesses faithfulness. Daniel shows us what kind of character a believer should have. Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel was a man who, who, who displayed a godly character. He was righteous. There was nothing that could be found against him. He was faithful. He was devoted. And he was trustworthy. May that be said of every believer in this room. How do we survive in a hostile world? Well, Daniel shows us. He maintained his exceptional faith even while working in an ungodly culture. May that be said of each of us in this room. You know, we, we, we live in a country in which leaders rise and leaders fall. Regardless, you and I, we, we, we are citizens here, but ultimately we are citizens there, and we need to live like citizens of heaven here on earth, and we need to live in such a way that this world around us sees Jesus in and through us just like they did in and through Daniel. You may be here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come and be Lord and Savior 
of your life. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come. If you're joining us online this morning, there's a decision you need to make. I want to invite you this morning to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Father God, we come before you now this morning. Lord, acknowledging that we are a people that desperately need you. Father, we know as believers we have you. But there are countless millions of people, billions across this planet that have no relationship with you. Help us as your church go to them and share the good news of salvation with them. Help us share with those outside the doors of this church. Help us to be men and women that live righteous lives just as Daniel did. Help us to be the same um, 24-7 as Daniel was. May we be faithful in our studies. May we be faithful in our prayer life. May we be faithful as we stand before kings and as we stand before um, those that we, the, we work with or those that we serve at our places of employment. May others see Jesus in us just as the king and those satraps saw you in him. Father, if there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, may today be the day of their salvation. Just move now during this time of invitation. First in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.